You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the kind of movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben, ben Chapman. Chapman. Sorry, Pogues, I didn't mean to cut you off there. It's just, uh, well, I have this ability uh, to 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 read thoughts. I, I can... I can, I can see 10 seconds ahead in, in a podcast, and uh, before you say it, yes, this bit is working. Oh, okay. This bit also feels like it could be for our Nicolas Cage podcast when we do that movie, what was it, Next, where you can see like 10 seconds into the future. Yeah, we'll get there on Cage with Cage. Uh, and it, a, a good joke to bring up a Nicolas Cage film. I mean, it's it's a real fan favorite. I I knew you were about to mention it, so uh, uh, yeah, anyway. You know I was going to bring up that cult classic <laughs> nicholas cage's uh uh, uh uh magnum opus next a movie in which i'm supposed to believe he ends up with jessica beale i mean <laughs> come on guys hollywood at least pick somebody around his age that's the most science fiction part of the whole movie isn't it <laughs> i mean it, it is absurd like i'm not trying to say young women don't go out with older men but he's like 58 and she's like 29 in that movie <laughs> She's not going to be like, ooh, three decades. Let's get this going. It's just like, if the, if a, if a man that old walks up to a woman that age, she's going to be like, gross. I, I, Pogues, I think, I think your reading is apt. However, I have, okay, yes, I have looked ahead in the podcast, and I have confirmed that we're in, we didn't watch Nicolas Cage's Next for this episode, which is weird because I did watch it. Yeah, uh, but well, we, I mean, we, that's <laughs> typical Wednesday viewing, right? Every Wednesday. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wednesday's next. Uh, so, uh, but it seems to me that we watched something else, something, something more convoluted, uh, something that's something can, classier, something classier and and canonically inconsistent, but all the less more interesting than some of the preceding content. Oh, yeah. What is it? I, I, it's, it's it's so out of focus. I here. Wait, I'm gonna think about it, and in ten seconds, <laughs> you'll know. All oh, right, X-Men First Class, of course. Yeah, uh, uh, I knew that. Oh, of course, my God, I... he really is prescient. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, Pogues, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about this movie uh, because I think the two of us are going to have the same phenomenon um, as we look down at the last question in the bullet points of our notes, which is, did I like this? It's <laughs> yeah, a question I'm not sure I'll ever be able to answer. <laughs> Yes, um, uh, uh, in in 2011, uh, a time that we all harken back to uh, in our in our most uh, uh, miserable golden days, <laughs> our miserable nights, <laughs> dreaming of a time. Um, 2011 was uh, when when we were confused to hear that they weren't exactly rebooting the X Men, but they were returning to them in a prequel format that wasn't going to necessarily be entirely consistent with the canon, but also kind of consistent with the canon. But also because untethered from the existing movies, which have become uh, meticulous and and overwrought and painful. After they were like, ooh, should we keep moving? And then X-Men Last Stand came out and they were like, let's just say related. Let's stick with related. (laughs) Let's not... It's not tie our star to that dead weight. It's not a prequel. It's not a soft reboot. It's just like a neighbor movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they they met at a party. Like, they both know... uh, They were at a bar mitzvah together. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, like its father, it decided to pick up all of its old tendencies and eventually become a nightmare in its later years. <laughs> yeah. And and in the third movie, they had the audacity to make a joke about how the third movie is always the worst in a trilogy. 
while producing one of the worst comic book movies ever made. So it's like, the joke doesn't work when you made a shitty movie, dumbass. I mean, save your material for the third one, which I can't remember what it's called. Third class? I, think, I don't I, recall. I think uh, the but... third one's Apocalypse, <laughs> I think. Th- third period? Uh, I don't know. There's I, there's one of them I didn't watch, I think. Oh, I didn't watch Dark Phoenix. I didn't watch X-Men Homeroom. Uh, I skipped that one. Yeah. Uh, but but first class, uh, I remember I remember really being excited about when it came out in the theaters because it was such a departure from the others. And it did the one thing that I was so mad that the preceding movies didn't do, uh, even though uh, there was a lot to like about some of those films. Um, the, the is, 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 is their, their shitty attempt at costumes in the uh, mm-hmm. original X-Men trilogy where it's like, they're, X-Men are known for a variety of different color scheme flamboyant costumes. And they're like, well, we're going to make a movie. What if everyone's just wearing a, a black snowboarder's outfit? <laughs> yeah, their, their logic was they were like, well, it's stupid. Nobody would wear spandex. They'd all dress like head-to-toe bikers. It's like, I don't think, you know, I mean, if, if that was really how people who got in fights dressed, soldiers would wear all leather. But all leather is a terrible thing to wear because it doesn't breathe. It's very restricting. What if... What if all the X-Men were dressed like they were drivers for a NASCAR car that's only sponsor was Depression? <laughs> what if all the X-Men <laughs> characters were just gimps minus the mask? <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded me of the same, like, like early 2000s superhero movies had this problem where they're like, well, we can't make their costumes look like the comic books. Those look silly. So instead, the Green Goblin will look like he's about to just, like, join the X Games. Or he's, like, or, a, re- or, a rejected character art from Tron. The or, remake. like, all of a sudden, the Power Rangers going to come to fight him. <laughs> exactly. I was so sick of that. So when I saw the trailer, or even some of the pre- preview material, and saw, like, just the, the yellow, I was like, I yeah, yeah, am the sort of parking about. <laughs> yeah, and, and they do it right in this, in which they're like, let's make it realistic. So they're, like, sort of like flight suits. And you're like, cool, I'll go with it. It doesn't yeah. have to be spandex, but, like, yeah, I mean, those, that first X-Men movie is just not great. Plus, it's really dark, so casting everybody in, like, solid blacks is not a great <laughs> idea for a film that you were like, I don't want to buy a lighting kit, so <laughs> let's hope the sun's out. Exactly. Although the sun's out is a great lighting, lighting plan. <laughs> yeah. uh, can somebody pop a window open? Nope. Well, fuck it. Cinematography by divine intervention. Um <laughs> the best <laughs> but first class uh i mean it, it also it carried it carried an uh, a respect at least a visual respect for the original comics which i recall reading uh i i as i've always mentioned this podcast i i i first dipped my toes in comic books by reading lots of modern series mostly being constantly confused as a young child reading reading issue 5000 of a, of a storyline i did not understand but eventually, I started picking up um, the essentials, uh, uh, the, the like full collections of the early like you know sixties, fifties, whatever comics, uh, a golden age uh, uh, comics uh, for for many of the Marvel and DC stuff. And so I remember reading X Men original, which is always so funny because X Men movies are all comics. I mean, from like the sixties, they covered their origin story in like three panels, like three panels. Like I remember yeah. Fantastic Four was three panels. Like we're astronauts into space. Oh no. <laughs> Like, it's, let's it's get a few pages, but it is like when they land, they're like, I'm okay. Are you okay? Whoops, I'm stretching. You're just like, wow, no Whoa. heat up, huh? <laughs> Just right in. And X-Men, well, X-Men, like the original X-Men comics were relatively similar. Um, 
Yeah, so our first X-Men comic is like, Xavier's School for the Gifted. And he's like, ah, my school for mutants. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's right in, huh? Yeah, um, I guess this is what happens when you have an artist draw a comic and then be like, I guess I'll write some dialogue now. <laughs> but this movie really, like, recaptured some of that joy. Like, seeing Banshee in his fucking wingsuit scream at the ground to fly around, mm-hmm. even if it visually looked a little goofy in CGI. It looked... Uh, it looked extremely goofy and cgi and didn't yeah make any sense later where his one arm wasn't up and he was still somehow gliding also um why wasn't he irish yeah it seems like a big <laughs> was... unnecessary omission for a really great accent to get in there and they like kind of hint that he's supposed to be irish but that guy's from texas the actor because <laughs> well, yeah up, i was like is this guy just really bad at doing his own accent because i was like surely they just cast an irish person perhaps we should real get... irish people perhaps we should get into it proper here because this is kind of one of the fundamental problems in this movie is is we're talking about uh, a couple of the X-Men characters that uh, of the original team, namely in this case Banshee, uh, one of a few members of it of, of the team that are showcased in the Act 2 of this movie, and they are mostly abandoned in Act 3. Because mm-hmm. Act 3 is almost exclusively between well, Xavier, Xavier and Eric. Yeah, so, but it's also like, I, I feel like, because they had established the other X-Men, they were like, don't use anyone who was in, like, the first 20 years of X-Men. So they were like, yeah. I mean, I guess Banshee, he was in X-Force, you know? And, and then they were like, uh, who else do we have? And some of them, like, I, I don't remember, which I did not realize this was Zoe Kravitz in the movie, but Angel Salvador, I don't remember her being in X-Men. I remember there's a character who has, like, pixie wings, but I'm pretty sure her name was Pixie, not Angel, because... Angels don't have bug wings. They have well, bird wings. And it's okay. Because angel. the time we've spent right here thinking about this character is more than anyone who wrote this script did to think about this character. Because so many of these characters could have been uh, written out of the script um, and no one would have noticed. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of them serve It's the strange. Her character to me was like where it, at one point I was like, oh... They just wanted to have extra people with mutant powers. Like, they're not going to do it. Because I couldn't really remember what happened in this movie. But I was like, oh, these people are here to fill out two hours. Because she's like a stripper who has wings that look like tattoos sometimes. I didn't exactly understand that that mutant power. But, uh... Yeah. I don't know how her body adapted tattoo stealth yeah. of her power. It's confusing. But when Sebastian Shaw shows up, or whatever, yeah. Wait, folks, do you think that maybe that they're just undecorated, fleshy wings, and she had them tattooed to make them look better? <laughs> like, maybe. Is that what, maybe is that what's implied? I, I just imagine, though, like, you get your power when you hit puberty. So there was, like, a 12-year-old girl with, like, a mammoth back tattoo It's confusing. wings. Yeah, it's confusing. And also, to be honest, not that cool. No. But, and she can also spit fireballs which i wasn't exactly sure i mean like maybe this is a character from the x-men but i do i I quit reading the x-men like in the late 90s and i took a large gap where like claremont stuff happened and they just started introducing like a mutant a week and you were just like jesus christ well of course the the scene they cut was right before that happened is that she had actually found the fire flower so that was why oh that makes yeah, yeah, yeah yeah But what's what's weird to me sorry real quick can someone redo that scene where she shows off her power and just add the like, you know, when, when the fireball, like, bounces off the step. I, 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 I would love that if that happened. Also, she apparently is a character, but her codename is Tempest. 
So I don't oh. think she has wings. That's confusing Any... because we we see we see a tornado guy in here who I think yes. will be more appropriately named Tempest, <laughs> who also has like a regular name. Like I I I, I don't understand how like Emma Diamond or whatever Emma Emma Emma, Emma Frost, uh, Emma Frost uh, could have like her fancy name, but like this like guy just has like random a wind power is it his name is what is it what his name is it's his name is just like his his actual surname it's very it's very confusing oh his name is riptide but they never call him that in the movie i don't remember him ever being called anything yeah that's what i'm saying yeah i'm trying to oh yeah yeah yeah, he is riptide yeah they just call him the uh my question is yanis is his name Uh, the other guy's name is just Azizel? So is he just a devil? Like, is he supposed to be that 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 demon? Because the guy kind of looks like a demon. He also um, was. How do I want to put this? Dime store, Nightcrawler. I was like, why would you guys pick a mutant who is basically another mutant? Even if he was a character from the comics. My guess is that I mean, it's technically, just, you know, I mean, it's so bizarre. Technically, uh, Azazel is is Nightcrawler's dad. Is he? Uh, I believe he is. I am double checking. He is and... the father of X Men's Kiwi Black and Nightcrawler. Yes, I am correct. So yeah. he, but then that means he sleeps with Mystique. Because isn't Mystique Nightcrawler's mom? Uh oh shit! Yeah, that, that that's pretty upsetting. Isn't that true? Did I uh, that? In the form of a journal noble, when the shape of Mystique married Barrett. This is confusing. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, Mystique had an affair with the mysterious Az- Azazel. Yep. And create wow. Nightcrawler. Okay. Oh, well. I'm sorry. Off the phone. Azazel is, according to Wikipedia, a straight-up demon. <laughs> He's a demon lord. He's not a mutant. He's a demon, apparently. Uh, Yeah, there's some really weird storyline where... I don't remember what line of comics this was, but they, they covered this sort of, like... There was, like, an ancient group of, like, demon-like mutants. So I don't think they're actually demons. That oh, fought like a group of, of like angel like mutants. I can't defend it. It's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I, the the X Men got real hard to the yeah the Neophim and and the uh, oh yeah and the Sepharium or whatever it's called. It's like angels and demon mutants. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I I can't I can't fathom what it was. They're like, hey, you look kind of kind of Christian demony. I guess we'll become a group. And the other group's like, hey, you got kind of Christian angel-y things going on? I guess we'll become a group. Like, it's just so strange. Yeah, it, it was It was during the fact when Marvel was like, how many X-Men comics can we produce <laughs> a month before people were like, is there a law? Against, uh, is there a law that, 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 that says we can't have this many X-Men? <laughs> I, I mean, I remember in like the late 90s when you would go into a comic book store and you would look at the wall and it would be like Captain America, Iron Man, The Avengers... Like, maybe a Thor comic. And then the rest of the wall was just X-Men comics. It was as if Marvel... And I guess Spider-Man was still around. But it was like... It was if Marvel owned one property and it was the X-Men. And the other characters were just like... We had to fill an extra week in the month. So I guess we'll have a Captain <laughs> America series. Yeah. But yeah, and, and so this is sort of... Like, you do realize... What, we, what I was saying about her character earlier is... When Sebastian Shaw shows up, he's like... Uh, I just murdered a friend of yours who was trying to save you. Uh, do you still want to come with me? And she's like, yeah, I'm totally become, I'm okay with you genociding the entire Earth. Because if you nuke the Earth a bunch, whether or not you're a mutant or not, uh, you're going to die. <laughs> because, you know, 
all life on Earth will die. So unless your mutant power is to be able to not need to eat or drink clean water. <laughs> I feel like his plan was very short-sighted. Uh, also, they... Children of the Atom, I think, was just like a... Like a you know a nickname. I don't think it literally meant they were from like, <laughs> like because we split the atom. All of a sudden there was mutants. Um, I I I will say one of the things, which is of course also definitely not true, considering that one of the like as as Azul as as Marvel has established is some sort of ancient demon guy. I don't know, but but uh, I think there's a lot to like about this movie. I know we've started like always just dunking on it, but. There are many sequences and characters that I was crazy about, uh, which we'll talk about in, in more depth. But I just mean to say that to, to cover it, like 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 about like uh, 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 establishing Eric's background with the Holocaust, uh, establishing uh, him as a mm-hmm. as a Nazi hunter, um, uh, the back I, I and forth like... of the powerhouse of Xavier and Eric, like battling uh, battle of wits for I'm going to make a caveat here. Most of the movie is really yeah. good and compelling. Um, the the problems with this movie, however is that none of the villains make sense. And that seems to be, like, the the purpose of the movie. Yes. We're supposed to be seeing the characters that were once a brotherhood of mutants fall apart and become, you know, well, the brotherhood. But, yes, but they've we known don't each get other that. for three weeks. They've known each other for three weeks, and they're not given compelling reasons to fracture. Really. I mean, at all. Eric's the only one, Magneto, who has, like, a a story arc that kind of makes sense. He's just there because he wants to kill Shaw. So if Shaw was like, I'm going to open up a Baskin Robbins, he would still be there. You know what I mean? Like his story doesn't need the other person to be doing anything. No matter what Shaw was doing, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy now, Magneto was going to go kill him because the guy was a fucking Nazi or at least sided with the Nazis during the Holocaust. So like his storyline sort of makes sense. And I thought this was one of the better times, um, the sort of ex- like they really built up that like why Magneto is the way he is, is because he was around when a group of people tried to kill an entire race of people because they didn't like them. And he's like all of his. I think in this this movie more than any of the other ones, they capture his argument as like, I'm not gonna wait around like we did last time. You know, I know. And then I thought that was like a well done thing at the end where he's like, it's just people following orders. And you can see him, like, get that face where it's just like, you know, that was, like, the constant... That's what no- every Nazi who was arrested after World War II said. I was just following orders. I, you know, I couldn't say no. So- someone says it in this movie, actually. Yeah, and that's what Professor X says to him when he's talking about he's going to go blow up all those ships. He says, it's full of innocent people just following orders. And, you know, he makes the point where it's like, yeah, he, he knows. He's not going to wait around to be like, yeah, they're going to come for us. I know it's going to happen because it already happened once to me and everyone i know was killed and i'm not gonna let it happen again because now i'm the strong one i can actually do something this time you know like we're i'm the mutants aren't gonna be the victims they they're gonna be the power that's gonna albeit he goes too far at the end of this movie where he is likewise wanting to basically start another world war which is it's always been sort of the part to me that's always been confusing about uh magneto is sometimes they make him go so far one direction that he starts becoming a nazi about only mutants living and i'm like that i don't think that's really what he would do he would be really anti anybody you know capturing mutants but he wouldn't be like let's kill everyone else (laughs) you know what i mean like it just feels like that's a bit of a stretch for a person 
Yeah, this is the this is always the turn that 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 movies I think these kind of films wrestle with. You see a little bit in Black Panther when um when when uh, uh, Killmonger is like uh, I don't like the way the world's you know gone. I don't like uh the the power dynamics that have been established. So I'm gonna blow like everything up forever. It's like I don't really get. I don't really get the pattern. It was yeah, that was kind of confusing and it's very much like this, where they're like, "Let's start a, a nuclear war." It's like I don't think you guys understand how nuclear war works. Like, people don't. Nobody lives through a nuclear war. That's why we're so scared of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you guys realize nuclear war is like it's over. That's it. Nothing's left. We we've destroyed the planet we live on. I mean, it's even over. even partial nuclear war would would tr- would trigger such an environmental catastrophe. That there'd be no recovery for, yes. like, for even a man who had magnet powers. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, it, it, especially, it, the, like, this isn't, like, right after World War II. They're like, let's throw some bo-. This is in the 60s, where the United States already had, nu- like, we had nuclear warheads and so did Russia. And we had enough to blow the world up. Like, to literally blow the entire, to hit every, enough on the world to cover the entire world in nuclear explosions. That boat sailed. You know what I mean? It's not like when we had two of them, we hoped the Japanese didn't call our bluff on there being three. <laughs> this was, you know, we had, you know, 40 of them in spares. We could just throw them around if we wanted. And we still do, unfortunately. But, yeah, that's that. that this plot to me was, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. He would know that, like, that's not how nuclear energy works. Like, mutants are still human to a degree, and radiation kills humans. Like, yeah. And, it kills and, all living things. I mean, you know, what I mean, if you radiate a dog, it's not going to make it. In a more narrative sense, it's also it's also just it doesn't make for good watching because, like you like you pointed out earlier, these characters have not had too much time to develop. I mean, yeah. in a way, I empathize. Um, when when you're making this movie, first class, you don't know how many more follow up movies you're going to have. So if you don't get to what you're trying to get to, you know, it'll just feel incomplete. I, in a way, I get that, but. It felt like the Magneto turn shouldn't have even happened in this movie. It felt like we should have no. had a movie of them, like, uh, you know, fighting against humanity like like they are, where, like, like, like you know, the governments mistrust them and, and there's Shaw, and th- that would have been fine. That was the thing that really bothered me, too, about this movie, is, like, how quickly it just turns to being, like, us versus mutants. And I'm like, wait, what? Because, like, anybody who lived even... I mean, I was a kid during just the very end of the Cold War... It was not a time of reason. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, you know, it's sort of like the idea at the end of Watchmen is, you know, like the whole plan is he's going to unite the the Soviet Union and the United States by giving them a common enemy and that'll, that'll work. These dudes are legit ready to start World War Three, and all of a sudden they're like, there's a guy who can fly by yelling, let's shoot every missile we have at him. It's like, wait, what? Wouldn't they be like... Are these guys helping us or hurting us? Because I, I feel like we could use people with superpowers. I maybe let's not kill them. At least let's kidnap them. It was so weird that and like Russia was like, yes, we're now in a pact with America, the country we loathe. <laughs> that we've been fighting in proxy wars for the last twenty years. Ah, there's a dude with a weird helmet on. Everything's forgiven. That's <laughs> really true, but that's also part of uh, I think what made this movie struggle for me is the absolute mishmash of ideas. Because if you run it down, what we get is the origins of Magneto with Shaw, um, the collecting of mutants, both on Xavier's side and on Shaw's side, 
Um, an introduction of a brand new CIA, CIA backed mutant team, which gets almost no chance to operate. Um, the, dis- yeah, the, the CIA the- mutant team that just sits around in like a 60s rompus room playing pinball and listening to right. <laughs> rock and roll. The destruction of said team. Uh, a, a constant Still ongoing- while they're having the same party. An, an ongoing CIA intrigue plot with Moira McTaggart. A nuclear who's, arms who's race. introduced by immediately taking her clothes off. A nuclear arms race and a mutant cure drug. It's like almost like they should have picked a couple of these ideas and maybe not all of them. Yes, the beast turn is very confusing. And like you said, there's some real confusing parts to this movie because they try to tie it to explain like later on, like why Mystique works with Magneto and all this. But then it makes zero sense because it's sort of like the moment when Yoda sees R2-D2 on Dagobah, wouldn't he instantly be like, I know that fucking droid. He rolled around with me for like a year and a half. <laughs> like, how come none? Of, how come Darth Vader doesn't recognize this stupid droid? Why does he know, you know? So it's like, they tried to explain it, but it's like, Xavier never, when he sees Mystique, is not is never like, ah, oh, Raven, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? So it's like, trying to tie those ideas together was sort of a mistake because they do not gel with the rest of the films and they're supposed to be in the same universe. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, 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 and they've said this, I think, in some of the background I read, that this was not meant to be a precise, like, lead-up. Uh, in, in a way, I understand, and I empathize, in that they didn't want to be forced to, like, take particular courses for characters. They wanted it to stand alone. Um, and I get that. And in which case, you do get, like, a soft reboot, where it's, 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 it's connected somewhat to a couple things, but it doesn't fit in. And then it takes them on a new course, which ultimately uh, is a is a car crash. Uh, but yeah, and now here's something I want to talk about too, just from my notes at the very beginning. The the Shaw thing, and now Shaw uh, Shaw is a real character. Sebastian Shaw is a real character yes. in Marvel. He's nothing like the character in the movie, to my knowledge. No, he dresses like he uh, signed the Constitution. Yeah, it's like the weird like uh, Van Buren mutton chop thing going on. Yeah. He reminded me. I always remember. He reminded me a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, what's the hunter guy that chases after uh... Craven? Yeah, he's got like kind of a, like he's like he's like a muscly like a muscly man. <laughs> yeah, he looks like um, like Liberace if he was like roided out. Like he wears like a like so a piano strange. man's coat. He, yeah, he looks like he's like Paul Revere on steroids, sort of. So... And he runs the Hellfire Club, and some of them dress like it's like the 1800s and then the white queen is there and she dresses like she's a dominatrix she just wears like a corset and underwear and then they're there and they play more of a bigger part in the the phoenix saga their part when she goes evil and stuff she actually like hangs out with the hellfire club so he is not yeah he's nothing at all like this his power is though he can absorb energy i'm pretty sure yeah they kept that part yeah, um, but the strange thing... He was thing... not a Nazi, though, seriously. <laughs> I don't remember him uh, Well, that's the strange being thing a Nazi. I had here. Is, is, is the conceit is that is that Eric witnesses the absolute worst of humanity, which is supposed to be part of the foundation that allows you to understand him as a villain. But the one person we see actually inflicting all of the monstrosity upon him is a mutant. Yes. Which, which I which, guess he didn't know. And I, I know Sebastian Shaw isn't responsible for the Holocaust. He's an oppor- he's an opportunist, 
but it's still like it's still I feel I feel like it chips away at that concept, which is pretty core to Magneto. Yes, and here's the other thing that really bothered me is all right. So at the beginning of the movie, you're introduced to him being at like a work camp, a concentration camp. He's separated from his parents, and he's trying to get to them, and he starts pulling on this metal fence, and it like bends, and it's falling over, and all this stuff happens. Uh, which isn't that the beginning to the first X Men movie? Doesn't it happen in that? Or I, I I wrote the same note, and I I I'm still not entirely sure, but I'm pretty yeah, I'm sure. Too lazy yes. to go find the first X Men movie. <laughs> yeah. Check. Um, so then he's brought in, and you see that he's going to be working with this Shaw guy who wants him to unlock his mutant powers. And, like, Shaw, not not great. Like, his plan is, like, I'm going to shoot your mom if you can't move this coin. So what if he couldn't move the coin and he shot her and then nothing happened? Like, you lost your leverage. If you're, it would have been better to say, I'm going to torture. You know what I mean? Like, so that I can keep doing it so you can keep getting angry. And, you know, I'm just saying it was, it was a poor plan. But the problem is, is it seems as though he's saying, like, genes are the future. You know, we need to unlock genes. So it seems like he's not a mutant, but he's aware that there are mutants, and he's trying to replicate it for the Nazis or for himself with Nazi funding. Then it turns out he's a mutant. Why did he need Magneto? Like, what was the point? Because it appeared his plan doesn't involve magnetism. You know what I mean? Like, it would have made more sense if his plan now in the future involved magnetism or something. You know what I mean? Like, where he was like, I needed to figure out how to control metal. But his plan is just to launch nuclear warheads. So what the fuck was he doing with Eric? Because he apparently let him go. (laughs) Like, I guess when the war ended, he was just like, I guess I have to leave too? Because why wouldn't he have taken Eric with him when he, you know, fled to South America? Yeah, this is like the fleshed. I wanted to. I wanted to know more about what what their relationship was like. You know, I wanted to know more about Eric between then and now. Now being the films I, now, I mean. Yeah, it would have been better if, which would have been completely not true of the character, but it would have been better if Shaw wasn't a mutant, and he used like genes from mutants he found via the Holocaust to create like a serum that mutated him and then he got a mutant power or he got a bunch of mutant powers however they wanted to do it you know like to kind of explain who he is and, and what happened honestly that that, that would have been more interesting i actually thought that, that that's what i remembered about the movie and then it turned out that i didn't remember it but it or felt, if it's supposed to be they never say that like it felt, I was watching it would have felt right too because the scenes we get with eric which i want to talk about uh right now too is is what he's when he's Nazi hunting, which could be its own fucking movie. I would have um, just watched him killing Nazis for about three hours. Is that he presents that... There's something satisfying about watching a Nazi die. <laughs> he... Oh, absolutely. No question about that. Uh, he presents uh, to the to the first informant that he's 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 uh, he's taking information from, the guy he rips the filling out of. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who runs a Swiss bank? Yeah, he, sh- he shows him the Nazi gold he has, and he explains that the Nazis took these things, like these literal tangible things, like watches and fillings uh, and rings from, from the, the Jews that they killed and, 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 and melted them down into gold. That This gold bar was representative of like pillaged goods from his people. That yeah, he was yeah. then carrying Con- around. One, one of the worst events in the history of mankind. Which is exactly the kind of conceit that you're saying Shaw would have like could have done, as in like killed the mutant kind and and boiled them down yes. to a serum that he would use to then Which steal their power. Which would have made more sense. And it would have right. made more sense had his plan been like sort of Dr. Manhattan y. Like, because the 
his plan is basically to get the United States and Russia to go to nuclear war, which is confusing at best. But it would have made more sense if he had created, like, the immune power to absorb energy and he was going to basically detonate a nuke on himself and then go blow up somewhere. And not, like, die, but, like, unleash the energy. And then it would look like America or Russia had launched a, a nuclear war and then they would go to war. That would make more sense than trying to, like, force the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. Which also was weird that they tried to, like, link this to, like, real-world events. It was, you know, it's just sort of, I, I don't know... The, the, his character arc made no sense and it made no sense how Eric got away from the Nazis and why he was basically just left alone to grow up somewhere and to be pretty educated he seems like a very smart man so he, yeah. I'm assuming you know he, he grew up and he decides to become a Nazi hunter he must have some money because you and know, flying is, around isn't cheap this is what perhaps I'm a little frustrated by is that I would have spent a whole movie observing Eric like uh, 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 escape and and evolve from his ca- his captivity uh, 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 amongst the concentration camps. As much as I would be curious to see the opposite story told in parallel of 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 the uh, Richie Rich Charles Xavier, uh, n- 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 sorry, n- neglected by his rich family, uh, yeah. and 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 kind of growing up and alone, awkwardly hitting on women. Yeah, uh, I could have spent some time with the two of them, and then watched their like you know watched their 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 group, watched their companionship grow. Maybe throw a mutant or two in there, and then watch them sort of resolve a crisis that pits them against humans, but ultimately come out uh, on the side of good. To set, but but all along sowing those seeds, like because we all know where Magneto is going to go. We don't need to. Yes, and that that was sort of the issue is like, like you said, it would have been better even if they had kept Shaw as the bad guy. And if they had fixed the one weird part about what exactly he wanted Magneto for during the Holocaust, let's say that was resolved. It would have made more sense had the problem just been that Eric wanted to kill him. And, you know, Xavier's like, you can't do that. You can't go back. And he still kills him. But then he's not like, I'm going to murder all the humans. He should be like, let's go. And they leave. And then the next movie should have been, like, at the end of that movie, they should have been like, oh, no, the, you know, the United States, we averted nuclear war but because we realized there's a bigger threat. These mutants are unknown. They have power. And then, you know, Magneto could have been like, I told you, you know, Charles, it's coming. And then the next movie could have been his fall into leaving and being like, fuck it. Yeah. I tried it your way and they won't trust us. So I'm just going to do the one thing I can do is safeguard all mutants by being like, Anyone who comes near me dies. Because something that we get in the comics hinted at a lot as as the X-Men comics grew is 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 we flash back often to see the various sort of like adventures that Charles and and Eric uh went on with some of their original allies. Like it's implied that they had a long history of friendship before. Yeah, yeah I mean in the comics apart. they were friends for I and I think they may have known each other in college. I think yes. that's where they originally met. I think that's so they right. had like a general friendship and you know Magneto was always I mean this is also later because like Magneto I don't even think had a name in the early X-Men comics other than Magneto but like he was always sort of hinted that you know he he saw everything through the prism of his life experience of being in the Holocaust mm-hmm. and that's why he saw the bad in everybody because he was around the worst people you know and you know just horrible people who did horrible things and tried to rationalize it and so he sees every action humankind makes against mutants as 
I see where this is going. He turns out to be right, mostly in the X-Men comics. If you actually read the, like, the Sentinels aren't great. There's a lot of things that happen where you're like, Magneto really was right. They shouldn't have trusted humans. Which is why he's one of my favorite villains, actually, is that yeah. there are times where a, a, a good story writer can make can make uh, 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 Magneto make sense and not just be a Bond villain who's like, I built a giant laser. I shall point yeah. it at the Earth where I live. And, <laughs> and he's, he's one of those villains where you are like, yeah, I get it. If what had happened to him happened to me, I, I would probably be in the same boat when another group of people came and was like, we gotta, we gotta, we want you to register you and we're going to monitor you. You'd be like, no, because I know what happens after this. It starts with being like, I can't own property. Then it becomes, so, I, you know, you're like, I get it. I, I feel bad for him because he's haunted by a horrible event and it's completely shaped him as a human being. And that's what makes him, you know, it's... That's what makes interesting villains is when they're not just straight, like you said, James Bond cartoon villains, like petting a cat and setting off dynamite. Yeah. So I I, I have a left turn here. Um, okay. That I want to ask, uh, kind of, just because we're still talking about Shaw a little bit. I like Kevin Bacon. Don't get me wrong. I like Kevin Who Bacon. Who doesn't love a good bacon? I love Tremors. Everybody should love Tremors. I know this is a, this is a kind book podcast. Did you've Ke- never seen Tremors, listen to the rest of this episode. Go back and like it, leave a comment, and then go watch Tremors. <laughs> Did Kevin Bacon feel out of place in this movie? I felt he never coalesced with with um, the the other. He just he was, every time he's on scene, I'm like, oh, there's Kevin Bacon. You know, I just never felt like he was there. My, he I don't was know my what problem. it was. I don't know what it was. Kevin Bacon could be a great villain and could be an interesting bad guy, but not the one they cast him for. He was not good as Shaw because he just didn't have, like... I mean, Shaw basically had to be a James Bond villain. He had to be, like, a cartoon of a human being. Because his plan is ludicrous. It makes zero sense. So you need him to be, like, unhinged. But Kevin Bacon's just very measured. And, like, the worst thing he does is he's, like, kind of a dick to, you know, Emma Frost for a while. But, I mean, he doesn't really have any, like... He's sort of just there. Like, eh. All right, there's Shaw. And, like, when he was, like, the Nazi and, like, speaking German and stuff, I don't know. There was just something where I was like, I don't know. He seems, like, really contemporary in a world around him that is supposed to be 1940-something. He just felt like it was like you were watching a time traveler try to go back and be like, I I sure do love, you know, 1940s. It was just very bizarre. So uh, I think you are right. Like, I don't think he's bad. Yeah, he, he plays he plays creepy in that terrible Hollow Man movie. Well, yeah, I don't think it's really Kevin Bacon's fault either. I just, yeah, I just think it was a poor choice. It for was the a weird fit, to... and I'm having a hard time like vocalizing why. But every time he was in the scene, I didn't get lost in the villain character. I was just like, Kevin Bacon's sure like kind of doing a German accent, a German 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 yes. German dialogue. Okay, <laughs> that was also what was confusing because then like when he meets him later, he just sounds like Kevin Bacon. And I was like, so was he not? german to begin with just speaks or, a lot of I'm, languages, I'm very confused I guess. and his yeah. his german accent was like my german accent it's <laughs> like a dude from like the middle of ohio trying to be like you know dos is good you know it's just like it was so just like cornbread like it just was not a great german accent yeah i just it was in my notes right away that 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 something about something about uh kevin bacon's presence in this movie just felt so strange um so let's let's talk about some of the X Men that we see in here. I mean, we've already we've already discussed a few of them. Uh, we just, we discussed Shaw and, and Xavier Magneto, and and I like Xavier and Magneto also in all the scenes that they're in together. 
I, I even, liked them for the most part, but there was too many weird scenes in this movie of people like yelling and gritting their teeth or crying for like just and like with like weird overlays of things like i don't know if you noticed that the director loved to cut between two people yelling or a person crying with like an overlay of somebody else oh yeah there's a lot of that i was just like well this guy had one like he found something on the the editing machine was just like i can do this oh my god every scene um uh but but and we talked about the confusing uh zoe kravitz character uh uh we also got uh who i do love goes from stripper to being like yeah let's kill every living thing on the planet yeah it was such an insane turn um mystique was fine i would say her costume was bad uh, most of the time like i had a i had a huge problem with her practical costume and that comes from a person who loves practical costumes the first time we see her as a young girl i've never been like that's a wig faster in a movie than this movie your your wig dark kicked in my, my it was so quick i was like that's a wig i felt like i, I could see seams most of the time yeah. the the young girl i felt bad for because i was like oh this is a really not great role and like awkward to be in that costume because it's it's kind of a gross costume yeah for, it's, it's for always even like gross. an adult to wear also i'm not a fan of the weird mystique body thing from the x-men movies where she's like covered in scales not because i'm like oh that's gross and she should be hot i just don't understand why she has them because they don't cover all of her body so it has nothing to do with her ability to use her power and why does her hair always look like it's wet you know what i mean like i don't understand like why they made her look that way like why couldn't she just be blue why did you know what i mean i don't understand what the change i mean i understand the change in the original movie was so they could put rebecca romaine at the time stamos in basically nothing and show off her body i mean it was like that's why they did it which is like depressing on a separate level <laughs> but i i don't know i just don't like it and like you said when you see uh jennifer lawrence in it it does not look well done no it, it, it even like the face part it looks a little off the whole time and then the movie the movie's kind of obsessed with the idea that her storyline is her trying to be like understood uh, or, or or seen as herself, like want, want, wanting to be normal, which, which she is, thinks is normal, which is a totally understandable plot point. But it's like every scene she's in that is all she has to say, and it's right yes. away where she makes a comment like after when they leave the bar, and she's like, I don't know, jealous or whatever it may be with with, with her, her pseudo brother Xavier. Um, but she makes a comment about like, what well, I can't be blue while I'm out and about, you know, and I was like is that i don't know it's would you actually want that like i don't think you would <laughs> here's the thing my my problem with her character is if the storyline had been she was in love with charles and he was not in love with her because of the way she looked when she wasn't shapeshift that would be an interesting story and he seems un if he was unaware of it you know what i mean like if that was the plot it was like he was unaware she was in love with him and that when he would make comments about her looking pretty in human form, it upset her and he just was too blind to notice it. And yeah. that sort of led to the push. However, she, like you said, has one has two characteristics. One, she's constantly like, I, I hate being a freak. I hate not looking perfect, blah, blah, blah. And the second is she tries to fuck every guy she meets for some reason. And I did not understand that. Like, she's horny for Xavier. I get it. Like, she idolizes him. He rescued her. I get that. That, you know, that 
could turn into feelings for people, you know, that happens. So her being in love with Charles, I get. Her instantly being in love with Hank, I was like, well, this is weird. Why is she, like, horny for Hank? And then she goes to fuck Magneto, and I was like, what is going on? Like, her character trope is, I need a dude to define my life. And I was like, I don't like this. This is such a waste. And they lose the dynamic, because at no point does Charles ever realize she's in love with him, even at the end of the movie. And I was like, this is stupid. Why did you even have that be a plot point if no one was going to address it? Uh, here's the thing. I think if her if her character, one of her character, uh, or how to put this, if, if, if part of her character's arc is that we see her as someone who is frequently looking for a connection or uh or or even just attention or respect from someone and she goes about trying to acquire that um through her sexuality that is not an absurd character trait you know what i mean and that's that that's an actual yes. character trait that we can see evolve but two things it doesn't evolve and second nah. and second she's given no other character traits which is another also the problem right like her character trait is she's obsessed with her looks and she wants a guy to tell her that she's beautiful so that she can feel it. so like her her whole arc is I'm not that attractive, even though she can become whoever she wants. So it's kind of confusing. You know what I mean? I get that's not who she is, but it's not like she's stuck like, you know, oh, I look like a monster all the time. You don't. You can look like anybody you want. I know it sucks you have to hide what you look like, but, you know, it. I don't know. It just was sort of like a weird thing because I'm like tons of people don't feel like they fit in and they don't feel like they're beautiful. And that's it. That's just the way they feel. You know, body dysmorphia is a thing. So her character art was just sort of weird. It was like a person who was like, I can't be pretty. Let me turn myself into the prettiest person and then lament that people find me attractive. I don't know. It was just very upsetting. Yeah. I, I, Not really I, upsetting. I, it was just a waste of a character. I just, it's, every time that she had a scene, I, w I was waiting for something to evolve and nothing ever did. I think that was generally the, the biggest problem I had with her character is that it just, like when she was on screen, you could pretty much, well, you could pretty much tell what was going to happen 10 seconds from now when she yeah. was present on, uh, 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 on camera, which I found boring. And um, then I also found the weird subplot with her and Beast, who I guess we can talk about. That wasn't they, the only relationship part that, that could have made sense if they just stuck with that. Because, but you here's know, the part that made no sense. He was like, I just want to look normal. Bro, your mutation is your feet. You're wearing shoes. No one can see your feet. I like I like they kept acting like these people were like hideously deformed or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Where it was like they were like you know like in an old freak show or something. It was just so absurd because of like there's nothing. People have weird feet, bro. I, I mean, yours are definitely weird, but you're wearing shoes. I don't. Know, what do you want? Like, who's looking at you and being like, look at this ugly fucker with his shoes? You know what I mean? It was just like I, I thought. Couldn't they have picked a mutant who had, like, a physical deformity? Or, like, something that... Not like a deformity, but, like, leech. Like, a person who looks like a lizard person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he can't ever go anywhere without being, like... That dude looks like kind of... I think that's what leech is supposed to be. I don't know what he's really supposed to be. But, you know, the Morlock? Yeah. You know, like, there's plenty of X-Men who have a look that would make them unable to be integrated into society. Like, easily. You know, like, they would always be able to be spotted and be like, That dude's totally a mutant. So why did they pick up two people who could perfectly hide their mutations? Like, she's like, well, yours is, nobody can see yours. It's like, well, technically no one can see yours either. You just have to control what the, you know what I mean? So I don't know. So then both, like, so eager for a cure was just like, I don't get it, man. Like, they had so many X-Men to pick from. Why did they pick a dude whose thing was just, he has a weird big toe? <laughs> 
And then yeah. for some reason, having a big toe like that made him be able to run at superhuman speed. I didn't get that scene either. I was like, that. I don't think Beast has superhuman speed. And having a weird foot wouldn't make you run faster. Like, monkeys don't run faster because of their feet. You know what I mean? Like, he's basically a monkey. He basically has monkey feet. He also later... Monkeys don't run that fast. They run on their hands. That's what makes them so fast is they put their hands down. When so he had, if he had run up like that, that would have made sense. When he attempts this cure and discovers instead that his serum only accelerates mutant powers, I expected that to be an, of interest to Magneto, someone convinced yes. that his powers made him uh, an, an adjudicator of justice. Like, I, I, I thought that they would play in, but it doesn't. It's like a total... They, they drop it entirely. He's he's yeah. he's invented a, a DNA-modifying, like, like chemical, which is a huge fucking deal that, that nobody cares about because it made him blue. A yeah, again. It, it's very... And it also is, like, very confusing. He's like, oh, it accelerated my mutant genes. It's like, but you weren't particularly hairy before. So, like, why would it turn you into a blue monster? Yeah, I mean, like, his explanation didn't even make any sense. Yeah. And I understand Beast is a hard character because in the original comics, he is just a guy with really dexterous feet. And then at some point, they introduce the idea of, like, second mutation. And I think in the comics, he's trying to do something and it can, turns him into the Beast. But I don't think he's trying to cure uh, mutinism. I, th I thought he was trying to, like, when he was trying to cure something else. And the side effect was it made him blue and hairy for some reason. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I think there's like a couple but, of different interpretations of it. Yeah, and well, and I know they introduced later on that like mutants could have like a second puberty, which would give them like a new set of yeah. powers, so they could just give some of the characters extra powers for some reason. Because I think they wanted to get rid of some of the X Men, so they're like, "But that's kind of a cool power. What if all of a sudden this guy gets it too?" Um, another scene that I liked but didn't fit, and really wish they would have elaborated on, is is that. Um, there's a scene where uh, Emma Frost is, like, convincing a Russian general to, like, cooperate with her uh, using her powers. And they track her there, they being, like, the CIA and Eric and uh, and, and Charles. Uh, and then they have a scene where they, they break in, like, like Magneto uses his uh, power to, like, trap soldiers in barbed wire. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and Charles comes in and can use his powers to, like you know, a halt people or whatever it is that he's doing. All of that played really well to me. And I liked this scene a lot independently. And I realized that I sort of wished that what we had done was spent less time inventing a bunch of characters that would just be killed off seconds after they were, they were shown on screen and less time talking about like irrelevant, like plot points or character development doesn't go anywhere. And we just had gotten that sort of like, we we get Eric Nazi hunting and he's recruited and that brings us into like a dirty dozen scenario. You know what I mean? Where they they, they assemble a, a crack team with a variety of specialties that goes yeah. after Shaw, who's embedded somewhere in I don't know Russia or something, and they have to sort of like yeah. get their way to him because at this point and they do this part well as well is that a lot of the mutants' powers aren't ultimate yet. Magneto can't do a lot. It's really hard for him to like lift a whole ship that he barely pulls off at the end. Uh, uh, Charles is, you know, pretty good at some things, but he's still learning. And this is exemplified in the fact that the, the final fight is mostly them punching each other because that's like, that part still works. You know what I mean? So like the idea that the, their powers are imperfect and that they have to rely on their guile and wit as well would have been so much more interesting to expand upon than this sort of like global surfing adventure. What, what would have been, what would have made more sense is 
Shaw is trying to create some sort of super mutant, or he's trying to turn mutants into weapons. After World War II, Shaw is found by the Russians, like some German scientists were, and secreted into Russia, where he's been continuing experiments on mutants. Magneto has been trying to hunt him and kill him because Magneto has become not just a Nazis who messed with me killer. Like, that's his thing. He's, like, basically working for, you know, like the Mazad the, mm-hmm. in the 60s where they went around and tried to find all of the Nazis who got away and would bring them back to Israel for execution. And if he had been doing that and he meets up with Xavier and you could kind of do that storyline, but the story is that Shaw is working for the Soviet Union and the United States is terrified because... You know, in in one of the proxy wars, they it, it appears as though Shaw has been able to, like, he can absorb tank rounds and, like, blow up buildings. And so they're like, how can we fight a person who can stop any means of killing him? And then they go and get the X-Men. And like you said, then it becomes sort of a, they have to infiltrate into Soviet Russia and, you know, take out these people and do all this stuff. And in the end, there's, like, a battle somewhere. And that's how it ends. But you get the idea that, like, the United States... And Russia are both distrust because you realize Shaw is actually like gonna take over Russia. You know something. No, you yeah, the, you I'm, set it up to be like, oh, America's like when they come back, they're like, well, you guys have to stay. Like, we have to know where you are at all times because you're dangerous. We can't let you just leave. And Magneto like sort of looks at Charles, and then you get the next movie where they're sent to do something, and Magneto ends up siding with the villain or something. That would have been much more interesting, like you said. But it basically just becomes a Bond villain. And then, like, this weird soap opera in the background. And there's just, like, a lot of wasted scenes. And we don't, we don't spend any... We don't spend an abundant amount of time in any one place. Like, we, we sort of rocket from CIA headquarters to, uh, to Cuban, Cuban uh, uh, like, like, international waters or whatever, to, to X-mansions, to, like, to, to fucking submarines and yachts and... Sex parties, like it's just, we're just like thrown all over the map, and and so we don't get a lot of time. We spend so much time establishing why we are where we are, and who is there, and whose stakes are where, that we don't get to, to spend any time like learning anything about the characters. Like if you had to explain to me more about like Moira McTaggart, could you? No, she's just this weird like narrative facilitator from scene to scene. She doesn't actually provide any sort of interesting like exposure into who she is or what her motivations are or, or what she needs to, or, or why she's adapting so easily to finding out that like, like diamond people exist. Like nothing is really being explained or delved into. We're just sort of shown a bunch of flashy scenes. Many of which are very cool and obviously stand well on their own. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like two, two or three movies duct taped together, which is a common complaint we have in our episodes. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. It felt it, like it, it felt like the same complaint we had when we tell we tell like you know we virtually tell directors please don't have more than one villain. Uh, uh, this felt yeah. like that because Shaw's a villain, like Russia's a villain, like the your own government's a villain. Uh, it's a lot. Magneto's a villain, you know. It's it's a lot. Yeah, it's definitely just there's a lot of confusing waste, and I do feel like more so than ever. Why are me and you allowed to write movies? <laughs> <laughs> like we should at least be in the pitch ideas because we just wrote a way better x-men first class movie yeah like, I would a see spy this. movie with yeah. mutants and then it sets it up for the grander scheme and you get like more of a interaction because like you said i enjoyed the parts with charles and uh magneto like i kind of enjoyed their interactions i enjoyed the beginning parts where like magneto shows up and 
you know, is hunting down these people. And, like, when he goes to that bar and he kills those two dudes, that's pretty great. You know, like, not just because, fuck Nazis, but, you know, like, the scene, like, the way it plays out, like, the way he sits down and he's drinking with them and then he makes sure to, like, roll his arm over so they can see his tattoo and, like, all sorts of stuff where you're just like, oh, man, this is, like, a really ballsy way to go in and be like, you guys are going to die, you know? Every and line stuff of, was cool. Every line of dialogue in the Nazi Hunter scene was so fucking good. When they're all just like cheering about Bitburger and he's like, uh, yeah. they ask him, they ask him like, uh, what do they ask? He says him? that his family is from, was from. Brandenburg. Oh, right, right. And he was like, really? What were their names? And he's like, they didn't have names. And he said their names were stolen by pig farmers uh, and tailors. I and just, sits down, he such a good line. It. I mean, it's, so, it, yeah. everything about that, the reveal and, and the actual, the actual, like, uh, the actual, like, attack is interesting mechanically. It, it, there's so much there. And this, this is reoccurring, like. I like the scene where, you know, uh, uh, like, independently again, where Xavier deflects the bullets that ultimately, leading to one to ultimately hit, you know, him in the spine. The scene where we watch the coin pass through Shaw's head. Yes, it's a probably overuse of that, that cuts the split Oh cut. my god, yeah. That scene's about 30 seconds too long. But but there's a bunch of scenes like that that are independently super cool and, and, and really prove the director has prowess. But... but someone needed to edit the script down is ultimately what it comes down to and take out the parts that don't deliver us to any kind of useful uh yeah, like a, a lot of the end fight scenes are worthless like where they're fighting on the ship and they're just teleporting you're like i don't even really care who's who in this situation or who wins i don't even know what's going on yeah. like you know when they're like running around he was like i don't really care it doesn't matter you know I, I none of these people are in the later x-men movies so i assume they don't make it <laughs> yeah, that's a good point you know so it's just like it, it is sort of like a waste which is a bummer but i think this brings us to the question ben would you recommend this movie um yes i would i i think that um i think that it it, it has enough it has way more way more interesting ingredients than it has uh negative ones because again it's like it's like someone over overdid a recipe. You know, they put too many elements in, uh, and and took things that would be by themselves good and made them sort of a mix of disastrous proportions. But it's not a disaster to watch. I didn't have a. I watched this recently. I realized when I started it, I was like, oh, I remember this very well. And even though I skipped around, I was not annoyed by my time spent watching it, despite the length that is one of our longer ones. Um, and it does give you the impression that we're setting up a really interesting romp through a couple of like x-men adventures which is not the case in reality but no it is not the vibe this puts out and the boldness of to to go with the original costumes and to go with some of the original heroes that are really hard to put on film like banshee i thought that was cool um uh if not for some awkward casting and uh a really bizarrely paced and overcrowded plot it's still a good movie, in my opinion. Uh, I wish, which has finally answered my original question from the prelude. I I would say that this reminds me of a bologna sandwich. It's a sandwich, but like, it's not like that good of a sandwich, you know. <laughs> ah, there's better sandwiches. <laughs> I feel like that's my description of this film. Because, like you said, I I think there's some interesting stuff. For me, the sandwich for me is like, you know, when you were a kid and they'd make that sandwich uh, that was like the marshmallow fluff and like peanut butter. No, Ben, I didn't live your decadent lifestyle. (laughs) I definitely remember someone making that for me and it had like bananas also on it, which felt like a confusing introduction because the ultimate conclusion of that sandwich is like 
any one of these things by themselves is a very good food item. Together, I'm confused and my teeth hurt. Yes. Yeah, exactly. My my biggest one of my biggest complaints about this movie is the choosing of mutants. If you were going to pick random mutants to put in the movie, each one of their powers should have had some sort of spotlight. But all of the mutants they find don't need to be in the movie. They never do anything specific enough with their powers that do anything. You know what I mean? Like even Mystique only really mystiques one time. Like she only uses her ability to look like somebody else once in the entire movie. Right. And we spend we spend more time than I would have expected watching Banshee Banshee learn to fly to, compared to how often that comes up. <laughs> it's not often. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah, and there's, like, all this, like, stuff where, like, Havoc, they teach Havoc how to use his ability, and within, like, the first 30 seconds of them being in the fight, his thing's destroyed, so he can't use his power, so it's just, yeah, I would say it's a fine movie, I guess if you're into the X-Men, go watch it, but I I don't know, I I found myself actually, like, midway through being, like, when they got to the montage, I was like, oh my god, there must be so much left of this movie, if they're just now getting to a montage, (laughs) like, I was like, I remember this being none of these scenes being in here no movie ends on a montage so you know you're in for some yeah some yeah i was like oh i've got 40 more minutes you, you got to have some sort of payoff for a montage which just a heads up that's our next challenge it though. does not write a movie that ends with a montage <laughs> oh what that would be a challenge but we're up to it ben we're two of the best screenwriters in the business <laughs> two of the best out there i think you're right I think we, we should get a job as script uh, like script doctors you know like they give us a, a movie and we're like here's what's wrong because I we could have saved those Star Wars movies. We uh, we could have done it. Uh, 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 Here's how I would have fixed X Men Apocalypse. Don't green light it. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's it. Yeah, actually, Pokes, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off here, but I feel like yeah, I feel like the end of the podcast is approaching. Yes, I see it. It's it, it's barreling towards us at, 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 at an abrupt pace. That's not what I expected.